Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. Want to hear a story? Welcome back to Storytime with M. This is a mini episode from M's Books and Cats podcast. And right now I am sharing my book Catching Cats, a chapter a week. And we're on chapter two. I just released chapter one the other day, so you're getting two chapters this week. So without further ado, please enjoy chapter two of Catching Cats. Chapter two. It's morning. The sun is just cresting the tops of the apartments across the lane. The air is clear. As more people wake and begin their daily routine, the sky will grow gray with dust. Hundreds of feet pounding along the dirt tracks will kick up a thick cloud that fills the lungs and forms a layer on everything that must be washed away at the end of the day. But for now the world is clear and quiet. Very few people wake at dawn. But I do. It's always been my favorite time. This morning my thoughts are churning. I haven't slept. I stayed up comforting Maria until she fell into a restless sleep. I sat and watched her all night, as if I could save her through my vigilance. She'll have to go hunting today. I need to wake her soon. The cats are sleepy during the day, harder to find but sluggish drowsy from a night of hunting. Some claim they are more like shadows than actual beings. No one knows for sure. We only know they must be caught, and that they are almost impossible to catch. Maria stirs in the apartment. I went out on the balcony for a bit to shake the sleepiness from my brain. My thoughts cannot be foggy. Not now. I cross back into the apartment and shut the door gently behind me. Maria is awake. Her big, dark eyes stare up at me from a cocoon of blankets. They are full of fear. It's time to get up, I say as gently as I can. A sob threatens to choke me, but I hold it back. I have to be strong, for her. Maria shakes her head and closes her eyes. No. The word is muffled by the blankets. She pulls them over her face. You have to, Maria. This is the best time. You have to go find that cat. I can't. The words are barely audible and broken by a sob. I sit beside her on the bed and pull back the blankets until I find her tear-streaked face. She sits up and wraps her arms around me so tight that it hurts, but I let her hold on. She is shaking again, and I am struggling to fight back my own tears. I didn't think I had any left. I've cried all night, but here they are again, stinging my tired eyes and threatening to spill over. I can't let Maria see them. If she goes out there thinking I am already mourning her, then she is lost. I draw her onto my lap and make her look at me. Her face is still childlike. I imagine what she would look like as a woman. Probably a lot like Mother. They have the same delicate features and large, shining eyes. 
The realization that I may never see her as a full-grown woman hits me hard, and the tears fall. I can't stop them. Maria sees. She watches me quietly for a few moments. Drawing back the blankets, she stands on wobbly legs. A look of quiet determination settles on her face. I'm ready. I wrap her in my arms and cry. She comforts me. Our roles are reversed. I am the scared child. She is the strong one. This is right. She needs to be strong. I marvel at my little sister. I don't know that I could do what she has to do. I hope I never have to. She leaves soon after. I packed her bag last night with what food we had and anything I thought might be useful. I have no idea how to hunt a cat or a shadow. I position myself on the balcony and wait. I've notified my job that I am on watch. Again. I've never wanted to be at work so much. Normally the dull, repetitive work at the food factory makes me want to run screaming into the surrounding forest. Today, the quiet nothingness makes me feel the same. I remain at my post all day, barely moving, except for an occasional break to relieve my bladder. I watch the dust rise to dull the sunshine, settling over everything in a thick brown cloud. It's bad today. This could help Maria, or it could make her an easier target. The dust burns my eyes, but I stay vigilant. My eyelashes are caked with dirt. I squint and stare in the direction of the forest. I wait. The thoughts that come when I'm on watch are the worst part. I can deal with the dust and sitting still for a whole day, but the thoughts make it almost unbearable. I worry for Maria, of course. She's a gentle girl, timid and kind. My sister should not have to do this. I fear for myself as well. If she does not succeed, and let's be honest, she is probably not going to succeed, I will be alone. Completely alone. The last of my family. The thought makes me shiver despite the oppressive heat of the day. I realize that I have been dreading this day for a long time. It was either going to be Maria or I that went first. As scared as I am to be alone... I am also grateful that I am not the one hunting. The hunted. I am a terrible sister. The tears come all at once. I am unprepared for their violence. They roll ceaselessly down my cheeks, turning the dust to mud. My body shakes and I cannot breathe. I gulp for air, but my lungs just get filled with dust. Coughing racks my body and I run for the door. Inside, I fall to the floor, wrap my arms around myself, and curl up in a ball. It hurts, but I can't stop coughing. I feel myself spiraling out of control. The last time this happened was when Minnie went hunting. My sweet, chubby-cheeked little sister, only five years old, was caught out in a storm. Mother and father were both gone by then. I was supposed to be watching her, but I fell asleep. Minnie was a naturally curious girl and impossibly stubborn. She wanted to go out and pick the little purple flowers that grow near the edge of the forest. I told her no. The air was heavy, and I knew a storm was coming. 
They don't happen often, but when they do, the winds and torrential rains come suddenly and leave destruction and death in their wake. Minnie slipped outside while I napped. The sound of the storm woke me some time later, and I quickly realized she was gone. I checked every possible place she could be hiding. I checked again. The apartment is small, only five rooms, and she was obviously gone. But my mind would not accept it. I checked over and over, pacing the small apartment and calling her name. Finally, I noticed the puddle by the door. It wasn't shut tight, and the rain was seeping in. Then I knew. As a child, I was taught to fear the storms. They were useful, of course. They tamped down the dust, and the days following the storms were clear and bright and wonderful. They also brought destruction and death, and I had been taught to never, under any circumstances, go out in one. Now mother and father were gone, and I was in charge. I was alone, and I was afraid. I stood with my hand on the doorknob for a long time, willing myself to step outside. It took longer than I care to admit. Part of me, most of me, wanted to save my little sister. But there was a part of me that was too scared. A part that clung to my own life and safety and prized it above all else. Like I said before, I'm not a very good sister. I honestly don't know what I would have done if the wind had not blown the door open. It swung in with a ferocious gust and bashed me in the nose. I staggered back as the rain poured in. It seemed to fall sideways in the heavy winds. I fought against the wind and, grabbing the doorframe, pulled myself out into the downpour. Each step was a battle against the elements. I eventually found her huddled on the edge of the forest, under a small bush that in the warmer months produced lush red berries that were tart and sweet at the same time. Minnie was soaked through and shivering. She screamed when she saw me. The door had caused my nose to bleed and my face was a gruesome sight. It took a few minutes for her to recognize me, and then she flew into my arms, and I ran home with her frail body clutched tight against mine. She was quiet when we got home. I assumed it was the fear and the cold. I put her in a warm bath and then bundled her into her warmest clothes. I swaddled her in every blanket we had and brought her some soup. Her big blue eyes stared up at me from her warm nest. And the tears began. She cried hysterically for hours. Jeremy and Maria returned. They'd been on their way home from the market when the storm hit. They took shelter in the ruins and were soaked through, but otherwise fine. When I told them what had happened, Jeremy was mad. He was always mad after Mother went, but this time was worse. Minnie was his favorite, and he never forgave me for what I did to her. He was the one she confided in eventually. She'd spied some pretty blue flowers just inside the forest and decided to risk it. No one goes into the forest. Everyone knows that's where the danger lives. Minnie knew this. Every child was taught this from the moment they learned to walk, but the draw of those lovely flowers was just too much. I saw it, was her quiet response to Jeremy's soothing words. The tears had stopped. She was cradled in his arms like an infant. He asked her to repeat what she had said, but she just buried her face in his chest and started sobbing again. He rubbed her back in soothing circles and murmured gently. 
His eyes were not gentle. They were shooting daggers of hatred in my direction. I turned my attention to the stew on the stove, while Maria set the table. He finally got it out of her during dinner. She was perched on his lap at the table. Jeremy fed her small bites of stew. We ate in silence for a long time before he asked again. And she told us. She had seen a cat. Just before the storm hit. A big one. Brown and striped. My heart sank. Maria burst into tears and ran from the room, which set off Minnie again. Jeremy comforted her and glared at me. You did this, he growled. And I knew he was right. He went with her to the forest. This was incredibly dangerous, but he didn't seem to care. I think he was secretly hoping he would see one as well. They could hunt together. Die together. No such luck. Jeremy returned late in the evening. He told Maria he had watched Minnie disappear into the forest, and he had waited as long as he could. He didn't dare stay out past dark, though. Some part of him still wanted to live. Minnie never came back. And that is the end of Chapter 2, book lovers. I hope you're enjoying Catching Cats. Check out the links in the show descriptions for fun products, discounts, and, of course, all stuff books and cats. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep reading.